Hello, everyone, and welcome to Going Deeper. In this podcast, we're going to dive deeper into our current teaching series at City Church. Um, there's only so much that we can really cover in 30-ish, depending on who's teaching, uh, minutes on a Sunday morning. And so we thought it would be fun to come together and on a semi-regular basis and kind of wade into some waters that we weren't able to co- cover on Sunday, ask each other questions maybe about our messages, and then also answer some of your questions as well. My name is Rachel Sanders. I am joined by Matt Nelson, Jim Moss, and Bodie Sanders. The four of us make up our teaching team at City Church, and we are excited to jump in with you all. Um, Today, we're going deeper about all things Becoming Family, which is our current series right now, and kind of the um, overview or kind of statement for this series that we kind of put together is in an individualistic preference-based, consumer-driven world, God calls his people to be a family, a radically different covenant community united to one another through the work of the gospel. And so I think we've reached uh, about the halfway point um, in this uh, series and covered several different topics, all um, with the hopes to lead us into a deeper alignment with this vision that I just read of community and what God has called us to be. And so today we're gonna be answering some of your questions. Um, We put out several um, AUAs, um, as the kids say, or ask us anything polls on social media um, about a few of our message topics. And so we gathered that info and kind of put it together. um, And that's what we're gonna be using to kind of dive deeper today. So let's get to it, fellas. Um, The first kind of uh, umbrella topic that we're going to cover is unity amid diversity. Um, This was one of the first messages that we did in this series and just um, uh, navigating how do we come together, not in uniformity where we all look and talk and believe all exactly the same way, but how can we be united amidst diversity within our community? And so this first question, we're jumping right in deep. Um, This first question we had uh, several people ask a variation of this question. And so um, what they would like to know is how do you navigate this, this being unity amid diversity in your own family with people who disagree? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I've always kind of looked at these as, uh, I know this is an interesting analogy, but as a, a pool of just, you know, we get in the shallow end first and yeah. then we begin to back up into the deep end until we're both swimming, so to speak, um, where it's like, okay, there's a, a level of trust. Yeah. Um, I think, first of all, there's got to be a level of emotional maturity for this conversation to even happen. And if you're in the room with a volatile, uh, unemotional, unhealthy person, it's just not going to go anywhere. Yeah. And the tone is going to go up. The intensity is going to go up. And it's just there's not going to be any positive outcome that comes of that. Um, I always call these crucial conversations. I've had so many of these with my family over the years, and Matt is actually just incredible at these. I've learned so much from him over the years of just how he's continued to navigate these. And uh, whereas before, I mean, I would say when we, when we started City Church, I avoided these <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. just because like I wasn't really raised to have crucial conversations and these conversations of, you know, what does this look like to disagree, but to still live united 
yeah. uh, which is very, uh, th- th- we're very capable of doing that. You mm-hmm. know, we don't have to agree on everything. Matt and I don't agree on everything. And I mean, all of us sitting here don't agree on everything, and which is healthy. You yeah. know, that's good for the body of Christ. But I think there's got to be, you know, where we start out slow and then we can back up into, like I said, that deep end of the pool. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. That's typically kind of my framework for addressing it. Yeah, Yeah, I think having uh, wisdom and discernment, like you were saying, understanding your audience and who it is that you're talking to, and then also just uh, paying attention to the Spirit's leading in the right moment of like, if I'm always preaching or standing on a platform or pointing out people's mistakes that I don't agree with, of like, then you're going to shut off the other person to be able to hear from you hear what mm-hmm. you have to say and just so I think like knowing your audience and um, coming in with grace and love as well yeah yeah I'm trying to figure out what do you hold tightly and what do you hold loosely yeah um, last couple of years it's like everybody wants to die on every hill mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't and you can't engage people that way you can't have relationship with people when every topic is the topic and you're passionate about everything. So you know, we talked about this on a Sunday, but to dive into it more here, being able to identify like essentials versus non-essentials, things I hold tightly and things I have to hold loosely. What are the things when I enter into a conversation that uh, I know that somebody may see different from me? And I'm, I'm open to that, right? I'm, I'm expecting that. That's okay. That's the way we grow. That's the way we learn. And you know, I think people walk in and they're just holding on so tightly to their opinion or this idea that it's like, there can be no conversation. It's going to end badly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to end in conflict or hurt feelings. And, um, you know, I've said this many times, I think we've been discipled by politics that we just place everybody in categories. And so, I mean, part of it too is, I mean, walk humbly, mm-hmm. right? That's listen, yes. learn. Yeah. 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 And I know this is, almost too practical to even bring up in a place like this or in a setting like this, but where you choose to have those conversations, you know, um, I'm just thinking about a family member of mine just a few weeks ago posted something. Go ahead and say who it is. If you want, I'm I'm going to refuse. They'll probably know who it is if they listen to this. Um, Your spouse. I had no, definitely not my spouse. Was her name Rachel? (laughs) I had a family member post something on Facebook that was clearly going to cause some, you know, some stuff. And another family member posted a thing and then another family member and they were having this Facebook battle. Facebook battle. (laughs) And there's no health in that. Like nobody's like, who wins in that, right? So I would say that where you choose to have conversations about your differences really matters. Uh, yeah. One I, of, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say uh, one of the things that I was thinking about in this question is some things that one thing that Bodie and I have done is like in an extended family setting, when something happens where you're like, you get that feeling in your stomach, you're like, oh, I, I definitely, that's not what we hold to. Um, but it's not the setting to do that. But then when we get in the car with our, with our circle, with our kids and our five, we're like, did you hear what was said? here's what we believe or, you know, like engage in that conversation to kind of zero back in with, with our smaller circle when the big circle wasn't the time to have that conversation, but we want to make sure that our kids know where we stand on that. And the reason why we maybe chose to not say anything in that Mm -hmm. setting or whatever, but kind of circling back in with that smaller crew, you know? Yeah. I grew up in a home where this just wasn't modeled well. And Mm -hmm. so I honestly didn't know 
how to have these conversations. And Matt was really the first one that showed me, I mean, over the last, what, 15 years that we've been journeying together. And so even now, um, I, I began to recognize early on um, when we started City Church and just prior of like, I responded really quickly out of emotion yeah. to most things. And now it's, you know, through that just maturing and growth of, I, one of the questions that I regularly ask people when we're in these conversations is, what does it look like for you to not respond out of emotion? Yeah. And sometimes we just need to think about what we are wanting to say before we mm -hmm. say it. You know, mm -hmm. like you're talking about the Facebook post. It's like, right. typically what we do is we get stirred emotionally and then we're like, yeah, mm -hmm. I'm going to let everybody know that. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it's like, we probably should have said on it mm -hmm. for a little bit <laughs> or a day, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then maybe it's like, actually, I am not going to say that mm -hmm. or I'm going to say it completely differently. Yeah. But uh, yeah, what does that look like for you to not respond out of your emotions? I think it's just so key mm -hmm. in so many of these conversations and unity and diversity and, yeah. and all that is, is so pivotal yeah, to, I to health. I yeah. was kind of wondering on this question when they're talking about family, um, how, how close are we talking about in that family? Is it, you know, in-laws, brother, <laughs> is it spouse? you know, or is it older children that they're asking this question about? Mm -hmm. So like, what would you guys say to somebody who's like in a marriage and there is like, I hold this like to be a high bar, or high value in my life, but my spouse doesn't or vice versa, you know, like <clears throat> those ends. What, 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 what do you do in that situation? Yeah, I think the level of relationship you have with somebody is going to determine, right? Um, you know, how aligned that you have to be. I mean, spouses obviously should be aligned. Exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, your inner circle of friends, there should be a level of alignment with them, the people who are closest to you. You know, this gets into a boundary conversation, which I think we're going to have yep. uh, at yeah. some point. But, you know, your church, uh, there should be you know, essentials that are holding you together, but you're different in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. you, you may have acquaintances and friendships where it's, an interest, you know, there's not a ton of alignment. It's just, you, you hang out together. And so, you know, these levels of relationship determine the alignment. When I sit down with a couple who are married and, you know, they, they disagree on something uh, that's fairly foundational. It's like, we have to figure out some sort of alignment here, whether you agree to disagree, you know, where's the common ground. And then I think you have to evaluate again, what's the level of relationship and then what level of alignment is possible with my general, general, like general friendships, I don't assume there's going to be alignment on everything. Right. I assume that we're going to see things differently and we're going to hold different opinions. And, and so I go into that with already that expectation. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 And I, th I think there's some markers of, am I doing this out of love or am I doing this out of emotion or frustration? You know, just some key questions even before we enter in. Pride or arrogancy. Yes, honestly. Absolutely. Right. Like yeah. I, I've got to be right here yeah. and mm -hmm. everyone else needs to align with, my point of view. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that just, that never goes over well. That well, goes out sideways. That person's going to end up having very few genuine friendships because yeah. at the yeah. end of the day, you're going to push everybody away. Mm -hmm. right. right. Yeah. 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 So let's talk boundaries then for, for mm -hmm. a minute. And we've, how does uh, setting boundaries play into this conversation of when you're around people that you disagree with and it may, may 
maybe gets volatile or whatever that looks like. What's the line of setting boundaries with unhealthy people, not just people that you disagree with? Bodie, go ahead. Oh, <laughs> Matt, go ahead. <laughs> you know, the thing I always tell people, and this comes from the, you know, the famous book written on boundaries is you're the gatekeeper. So you're, yes. you ultimately have to be in charge. And I think a lot of times we project that the problem is somebody else when we've allowed that to negatively affect us. And so, you know, let's just say there's somebody that can't hold attention of two different viewpoints. It's their way or the highway. I realize that my level of relationship is going to go just so deep with them. My interaction with them is going to be limited mm-hmm, right. because I can't be honest with you. I can't be open with you. There's not a level of trust that's built, right? So there's a boundary there because of what, what's possible. And again, you know, this becomes complicated when the level of relationship increases, when it's a spouse, a family member, a close inner circle, you know, a child, you know, once it becomes a lower level of relationships, I can just choose not to be around that person. I can Mm -hmm. choose to build those boundaries in. The complexities are the level of relationship. But I always tell people, man, you're the gatekeeper. You choose what level of access somebody has. And yeah. so a lot of people just sit around, they're getting continually battered, wondering, thinking the problem's everybody else. You're allowing them to do that, right? Mm-hmm. That's a hard reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think it's key that, you know, one, we don't cancel people. And I know that's not what you're saying. And that's kind of like in our culture, I don't know all the, the catch words for all that because I'm old now. But, <laughs> um, you know, it's it's got to be, you know, as we're addressing this of, of you know, I kind of look at this as we versus I, you know, it's like this, this is not just like my way of like, I've got to look at it for my family of like, okay, you know, how do I address this collectively? Mm-hmm. You know, and what does the boundary look like for us as a family even? And, um, you know, there's, you know, Townsend and Cloud um, wrote a book on boundaries. Matt addressed this, but it is, it's, I mean, I read this when I was 21. It, and I don't even know how many times I've read it, but it is powerful. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you haven't read that, that is key to having a foundation of understanding of just how to have these conversations. Um, you know, they, they've got to be agreed upon mm-hmm. and, you know, accepted as the group or in the relationship. And, uh, and it's okay to set those. You yeah. know, I think some of us are afraid to even set a boundary because of the pushback or, you know, Bodhi may never be my friend again. Well, it's worth leaning into that and saying, hey, I, I need this from you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, what would that look like for us to talk about that or to agree upon that moving forward in our relationship? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, the, the gatekeeper um, mindset and just paying attention to your own like emotional health and what happens when you are in a certain scenario, situation or with a certain person. And also like if you are a parent paying attention to how it's going to affect your kids. Um, I mean, our youngest child is uh, came to our family through adoption and is a different race than we are. And so in that uh, happening and that reality being always in our family, me paying attention to um, things in a way that I didn't have to before, mm-hmm. comments that I know he might not understand now, but will affect him later on. And so like being super protective and being a gatekeeper for him in a way until he can do that for himself. Um, So I think that that sort of um, line, uh, always paying attention to that line and being able, being okay with like, this is a boundary that I need to set for him because I don't want him to feel any sort, sort of certain way or whatever that may look like. But yeah. 
I would say too, like, because I totally agree with like, you know, the gatekeeper, but also not to like set so many boundaries that you're not accessible to anybody, right? Because mm-hmm. that that is we kind of are seeing our culture even shift to that. Like if it gets too, you know, outside of my comfort zone, then um, I just pull away. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there's wisdom that needs to be used in it, but also don't avoid those moments either, you know? Yeah. And like, lean into yeah. what might be a tough conversation. Yes, sure. Because yeah. give people a chance to like, hey, when you say this, I don't even know if you realize what it is that you're saying, but this is how I'm receiving it. Like, do due diligence in having those tough conversations before you yeah. set any sort of hard lines because you never know what may, what may fruit may come from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. How do you guys handle like people that are just, I mean, they're, they're toxic. They're very unhealthy. Peace. You know, what <laughs> I let them walk all over Matt me. Cancels them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, oh, no, but I, I think that's good to like, I mean, a lot of people are dealing with that. Yeah. yeah, you know, especially in the culture and the narrative that we live in in our society. I would have, you know, in in this political climate of the last few years, so many people come to me saying, "Hey, I have a best friend, a mom, dad, a grandpa, an uncle, brother, sister that are so um, politically minded, or have got off into certain. I mean, it could be conspiracy theories. It can be certain things. They're like, I'm having a hard time having a conversation." Yeah. You know, and I'd kind of sit with them and I just kind of mourn the fact of like, yeah, the level of relationship you desire with that person may not be possible mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Because uh, if there's not alignment on some of the deepest levels, it's like, can you have a relationship? Yeah. Can you have conversations to some point? Yeah. But, you know, also just managing expectations of what's possible there, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and even mourning like what, what you wanted and what reality is. Like you may have gone to them in the past whenever you needed something, but now that may not be the person that yeah. can speak in the deepest levels of your life because they've lost course. That's hard, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to lament that. You Absolutely. Know, to mourn that, and yeah. you should. And, uh, but that's where, you know, like counselors and all the, these, the right people in our life yeah. uh, really help us, you know, yeah. work mm-hmm. through those things mm-hmm. and uh, are key. That's so. That kind of touches on the last question for kind of this section um, in talking about unity amid diversity is how can you have unity if one side views a differing belief as a pillar of their faith? So I know at City we use this language of essential and non-essential quite a bit. So how do you navigate unity when maybe something that we would consider a non-essential becomes an essential in someone else's life? Um, and they hold that very strongly. How do you navigate that yeah. sort of it's a dynamic? It's hard. I mean, a couple of years ago, I was in a room with political leaders in our state, and I watched as they just ripped each other apart mm-hmm. there in the room and then in the news and knew both sides really well. And just thought to myself the whole time, 95% of this you agree upon but you're going to rip each other apart yeah. over the 5%. Yeah. You know, and I think that we look for what makes us different. And then instead of what unifies us and you know, what we talk about at city church is the gospel is the center for us. And so what you do with the person of Jesus ultimately holds us on our community together, but then looking and saying, man, what are the places where we do have alignment 
and have agreement because we can build around that. You know, mm-hmm. it's, we don't have to, again, cancel or, or remove people because of the 5%. You know, it's also not acting like the 5% doesn't exist, but, you know, unity is possible if you have something at the center holding you together. Um, I would also just add this. I don't think, I think many people would claim that certain things are essential and they're not. Yeah. The, the essentials mm-hmm. are few. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The non-essentials are many. Yeah. And so many people take the non-essentials, move them into the essentials category, and then wonder why they don't have unity with anybody. It's because you're never going to find somebody yeah. who completely agrees with everything that you that you. Right. I, I was so. literally, like, as, as we were reading this question, um, I was like, have we done a series on, like, the Apostles' Creed or anything? Like, we should, like, touch on some of these, like, what what has... What have our church fathers throughout history said? These are the essential things yeah. when it comes mm-hmm. to faith. Mm-hmm. Um, like, maybe at some point. No, I mean, that's kick that, the Apostles' that, Creed, Nicene Creed, yes. Athanasius, different. Yeah. I mean, different church creeds throughout, the, throughout history was, hey, the, the doctrine of the Trinity is being threatened. Mm-hmm. So we have to come back, and this is going to be a unifying statement that's going to help us move mm-hmm. forward as right. the body of Christ, which right. is essential for us. I mean, mm-hmm. in order to have unity really important yeah I, th- I think even one of the things is coming from a place of curiosity and understanding of listening yeah you know like really hearing the person out of uh, help me understand why this is a pillar of your faith what where right. where, 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 where did you get that where uh where where has that been built in like mm-hmm. we we all pull things from multiple uh Facets of, facets of life and just like, you know, where, where did that actually show up? You know, mm-hmm. where did you, show me where you learned that. Yeah. And uh, so it's more of like a curiosity and be like, no, that's not right. You're wrong. Like right. that conversation is not going to go anywhere. Yes. It's combative, but, combative versus curious, yeah. right? Yes. And yes. we should be curious. Not it's, judgmental. Yeah. yeah. So it's so much <laughs> of it is your posture yes. you know, as you come into this conversation. Right. And even when the emotion begins to rise, it's like keep your posture humble, stay sympath- you know, sympathetic. I mean, stay loving. Yeah. You know, it's like you don't have to be right. Mm-hmm. It's not worth it because like you're probably going to lose the relationship or it's going to diminish. Just being willing to sit down across the table and have coffee with someone that you don't see eye to eye with. It's just so rare. Like, yeah. just people don't do that. Yeah. You know, it's like I was listening yeah. to a podcast the other day and they were asking basically this question of like, why don't we hear from the voices willing to like find common ground? Like, mm-hmm. why do we only hear? Because that's yeah. what sells. And sure. the polarized voices are the loudest. And yeah. so we only hear from the far this way and the far that way, yeah. you know, or whatever of these uh big topic arguments and so many of us are in the middle somewhere Mm -hmm. you know of like we want to find common ground that's good i i talk to tavi about this all the time because she's like why do people follow that person and i'm like because they're really loud Mm -hmm. and they're really confident in their set of beliefs yeah and you know that's what the next person's looking for is like oh yeah that sounds good Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that's what we do I was kind of joking about that but if you guys remember if you a Ted Lasso fan you watched the first season the end of the first season was one of the most watched episodes of any TV show because it so deeply resonated with people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah there was so much hatred going on and then he goes into one of the most beautiful scenes in any sitcom ever made where he's like if you were curious 
and not judgmental, you would have asked me what I did growing up. I mean, he's throwing darts, <laughs> yeah, throwing you know? darts, yeah. Yeah, and he's like, but you didn't. And you didn't know that I spent every Sunday afternoon with my dad in the bar. And he's like, you know, why aren't we curious? Why are we so judgmental? Right. Yes. And it struck a chord with like everybody yeah. watching because they're like, we're not this, but we aspire to be this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. You know, it's like, why aren't we curious? Why don't we go and ask more questions than we do give answers? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we're insecure. Yep. That's mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And we want people to see our way instead of understanding how they got to where they're at. You know, mm-hmm. the, uh, one of the most powerful things you can say is I don't know. Yeah. And we need to do that more. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, definitely. All right. Let's, uh, let's transition to uh, kind of a different umbrella topic. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about convenient community versus covenant community. Mm. Um, so in this question, she asked, why is it that covenant community often doesn't seem to want to do life together outside of Sunday service? Mm-hmm. Convenient community seems to show up more consistently for just the day-to-day. How does one intentionally grow in covenant community outside of Sundays and microchurch? I'd say there's two factors. Well, there's probably way more than that, but two that I can identify right off the bat is... Um, the Western church, the American church, we've kind of set Sunday up as the, as the be all end all of it, of it, right? Like it's the show. Um, but then there's the other side of that. We don't want to do the work. Um, uh, simply put, mm-hmm. you know, it, it takes work for that covenant family community, um, that whether we don't have the time for it or, mm-hmm. um, our lives are just, hectic, crazy, busy, as I hit the microphone stand. Um, there, those would be like two of the things that I see could be like issues within it. How would you, backing up a little bit um, before we dive into specifically her question, how would you define the two things? Let's define convenient community and uh-huh. covenant community. Yeah, convenient community is just, I mean, that's interest-based. You know, of we play golf together or we go to the club together, whatever it may be. It's like we have a like interest. And so it's convenient of, Mm -hmm. hey, you want to meet me at the volleyball courts, you know, on Riverside? And, you know, it's like, yeah, that's convenient because I Mm -hmm. enjoy that. Um, You know, Covenant is much deeper than that. It's like, hey, I'm with you no matter what. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't even have to like you to be in Covenant community, but I'm for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to have your interest at, uh, you know, the top of my priority list. I'm going to walk with you no matter what. And so it's just, it's so much deeper than that. Yeah. And that's why people don't leave a Sunday morning or wherever, if you will, and like walk into that. Um, you know, this is kind of jumping in, but, um, you know, no one's ever invited me into covenant community. Ever. Bingo. I've had to invite every one of those relationships into my life yeah. and specifically ask them, hey, what would it look like if we began to do this? And it started out slow, mm-hmm. you know, so. Yeah, we have very little context for covenant yeah. in our society. So when you even say that, most people are like, you know, trying to find what exactly does that mean? I mean, I always, I tell couples when I do premarital counseling, I'm like, I'm still waiting for the couple who, you know, saws the animal in half, puts it in <laughs> two pieces, and then you walk in a figure eight, you know, 
infinity symbol between them. Like I, I would go to that wedding. You would. Cool. I think <laughs> that actually. <laughs> change of pace. That'd be weird. Be nice. I have a wedding on June 11th. I might uh, recommend that. I always like, throw it out. Ceremony. Nobody's ever taken Nobody's me up. Nobody's taking you up. No. But I mean, there's a reason why this <laughs> concept of if I don't fulfill my obligation to this covenant, make me like this animal. I mean, that's what they do in the Old Testament whenever they make mm. agreement. And we enter into this covenant of marriage, but all other relationships in our life, we want as little a sacrifice as possible, yeah. right? Mm. So if you look at relationships, you're like, how do I sacrifice or give as little as possible? You're never gonna experience this. Yeah. I've always said like, you know, we want covenant so badly, we just don't want to do what's necessary yeah. to, to experience it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's tested when things don't go well. Covenant yes. is uncomfortable. Right. And we crave comfort. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just sure. the standard across the board. Mm-hmm. And, and so it, in order to enter into that, you, you're inviting discomfort and uncertainty into your life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but that's what makes the gospel so beautiful. That's yeah. what makes the kingdom so beautiful. Of, we must do that. We have to do that mm-hmm. in order to be more like Jesus. And this kind of covenant community that she's speaking to here, it also takes time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it takes time to stick it out over the long haul. We want microwave results and this is oven. Oven's kind of way stuff. better though. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah. and so it, we, we want, I mean, the dinner with the staff, you know, line of like, we want church to become family overnight. Well, that doesn't happen. It takes time and it takes continually showing up. It takes staying whenever somebody hurts my feelings or it makes me uncomfortable, or I think I disagree with them. It's having tough conversations. And then you begin to see the fruit after all of that happens over time that like, Hey, highs, lows, mountains, valleys, um, they've showed up for me consistently and I've showed up for them consistently. So I would say like, it's a two way street. Um, definitely of like, how often are you showing up for others in your community? Um, I do think though it does, she does point out a reality of the church of like convenient community does tend to show up more consistently on the day to day. Um, and so like, how can we bridge that gap as yeah. a as a church community? How can we bridge that? My gap? only pushback on that was how what kind of a depth are you experiencing with convenient community? True. I mean, shallow level that I don't have to give anything or offer anything or receive anything, so it's easy to maintain, mm-hmm. right? Covenant community is not easy to maintain, but it, you're going to experience a depth that otherwise yeah. you would not. And you know, just piggybacking off what you said, it's it's commitment and proximity. Mm. Like, you know, some people are just you have proximity because you work next to them. So you have no choice. Right. I'm not giving anything to you. And so it seems like this, this relationship is easy. You know, covenant gets hard. Let's be honest with ourselves. This is why marriages, it's like, I'm not happy anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, this was never really about that anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. this was, yeah. we're in covenant. So we figured it out. Talk about know. countercultural. Oh, I mean, I'm not feeling it. That's all the, that's my yeah. barometer. Yeah. I addressed this earlier, but you know, so many times we, we let our feelings lead. Yeah. And, um, you know, our feelings aren't always true. And so when I'm in covenant relationship, you know, I have to recognize that mm-hmm. and not respond out of that because, you know, it's like they're going to say things that are hurtful. I'm going to say things that are hurtful, unknown. You know, unknowingly, mm-hmm. but we still we're still gonna 
be friends at the end of the day and we're yeah. still going to love each other and we're still going to fight for the relationship. Right. That's what covenant is. Yes. You know, it's like we're going to fight for this no matter what. Yeah. You know, um, because of, you know, we want the best for each other. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yep. And there's a, there's a vulnerability there too yeah. of like yeah. th- that kind of relationship yeah. because obviously like, uh, there is, there is no one that can build me up and I feel most loved by Bodhi, my husband, but there's also no one in the world that could hurt me more sure. than he could. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's a, there's a trust, there's a giving, you know, of yourself in a way that is hard and difficult. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot easier to maintain the convenient relationships. That's why a lot of people never move into covenant because there's so much at stake mm-hmm. and there's so much that I have to give. And um, so people just kind of stay on the outside and look in and think about what it could be or desire this. But few people experience it. The beauty of, you know, I used to, I used to say this, my, my wife was like, stop telling couples this. But I would be like, marriage is like walking into a room with no doors and no windows. Mm-hmm. It's not if we work through it, it's how. I was like, and if you're not ready for that to face that reality, don't walk into the covenant of marriage. Mm-hmm. And she was like, that's so, so, so bleak. And I'm like, it's actually can be freeing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's a freeing that, when you're like, when I'm looking at my spouse and saying, hey, you never have to wonder whether or not I'm going to be here. Yeah. Like I'm going to do whatever it takes. Yeah. And that frees you to be who you are, to be who God's called to be. Right. And that's not saying that by you saying or me saying or any of us saying, hey, we're always going to be here. It's not us saying, I'm never going to make a mistake. I'm never going to mess it up. I'm never going to fall short. No, I'm going to do all those things probably. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm not going anywhere, right? I I think even on the other side, it's important to discuss, and I'd love to hear from you guys, and I'll, I'll chime in too, of just, you know, what are the benefits or like what are the rewards do you see out of covenant relationships that you've been in, not just husband and wife, yeah, but I was like, say, yeah. you know, with other women, with other men, like what, what are you, what have you experienced because of that? You know? Yeah. That's what I was thinking too, of just like, let's talk a little bit about covenant relationships, um, outside of marriage, yeah. um, and specifically in church community. Um, I would say Bodie and I were just having a conversation just the other day about a, a specific family that we have been in, community with for years and years and are still in community with today. And the best way to describe it is by using the phrases family, (laughs) like, um, that term, we, we kind of all instantly know what that means. Um, but they are not blood related to us, but a hundred percent, I would consider them blood related to us. Um, they have been with us in, highs and lows, making stupid mistakes and still standing behind us. Um, the, the conversation in the documentary that we did and your sentiment, uh, Matt, uh, to Jim about when he said, I'm, I'm behind you, I'm with you. Um, this family did that for us on multiple occasions of young and in leadership and making stupid mistakes, just continually standing with us like, man, we believe in you. We're here with you. We're for you. And just like them being there and saying that, it was like, you know what? We can do this. Mm-hmm. If they believe in us, if Lance and Tanya are with us, then we're going to do this thing. You know, like mm-hmm. it was just, and them still being in our lives and in our family, their family. And we know that they would be there for us at the drop of a hat. And so would, and we to them, you yeah. know, and it's just like, yeah. uh, I think very rare 
you know, outside of your blood-related family, um, and just such a strong connection, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's not to oversell this by any means, but I think when you look back on your life in hindsight, those covenant relationships are going to be the greatest joy. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be your legacy. Yeah. It's going to be, you know, uh, the things and the people that you that meant the most to you are going to be those people that you walked through highs and lows with that you were committed to. And it honestly breaks my heart to see so many people. I think our epidemic of loneliness right now is that people yeah. are so void of covenant relationships. Yes. They just have convenient relationships, you know, technology relationships, acquaintances, people who know just bits and pieces, but nobody that's like safe. That's like, I'm not going anywhere. Like we're just void of those. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think that's why you're seeing just this increase in loneliness and despair and isolation and all the things that accompany that. Yeah, I, um, this was, goodness, I don't know, maybe 2010 that I reached out to uh, another guy that he served in the same position that I did. And I just was like, hey, what would it look like if we began to meet? And so, you know, there it was a convenience of like we served in the same role. We have kind of the same responsibilities. But, it, you know, over the last, what, 13 years, that relationship is, I mean, I, I've never been that close with another male human on the planet. Like, I mean, it's just like, mm-hmm. I didn't know I could get that close to mm-hmm. somebody else, to be honest. And, um, but it is, you know, I know no matter what I do, <laughs> no matter how far I may fall into sin, um, like he's got my back yeah, and he's going to still stand with me no matter what. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that, is covenant at the deepest level yeah. of no matter what you do. I tell my boys this every night, no matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter where you go, you are always welcome home. Home yeah. is safe. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the approach we have to take with covenant relationship of no matter what you do, no matter where you go, no matter what you say, I'm still your friend. Uh, yeah. We were talking about this. And I still this, am going to fight for you. We were talking about this yesterday. Uh, Jim and I were about the dynamic of David and Jonathan in scripture. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and thinking of like how many people were coming against David. I mean, you talk about your head on a swivel. Everybody yes. wants you dead. Everybody, it's a warrior culture of who's in control and everybody wanting to take you out. And David knowing at the end of the day, Jonathan, I don't have to worry about him. Mm-hmm. Like he's going to do what's best for me. Mm-hmm. And he's going to have, I mean, even when Jonathan had no reason to, I mean, you know, when Saul loves David more than his own son, and yet yeah. that doesn't turn to bitterness with Jonathan, he actually is like, oh, I'm going to covenant with you. I would lay my life down for you. Have people in your life that you're like, okay, at the end of the day, I know that I'm going to get attacked. I know that I'm people coming against me, but I have a refuge. Mm-hmm. Like I have a safe place. Uh, I mean, the, the beauty of that, I yeah. mean, incredible, yeah. right? We all want that. Mm-hmm. We all need that. How, how do you guys, like, how do you invite somebody into that? You know, what, what does that look like? You know, I know that people are curious of that, of like, well, where does that relationship even begin? What does that look like? What do I even say? You know, what do I ask? I mean, um, yeah. I think you're segueing into this last part about vulnerability. Cause yeah. I, I do think that it's, uh, it takes that. It, it takes somebody, um, you know, laying, laying that path of, of going first. Yeah. 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 Just, I think just being willing to make the ask. I know that, um, Bodie and I, and, 
our like closest couple relationship, we went years without having like friends, which makes us sound really pathetic, but that is just the truth. <laughs> we had we had a lot of convenient community yes. and acquaintances, but nobody that knew us on the deepest of levels. Right. It was like we lead everybody that which we're is like a yeah, yeah, it's a pastoral thing too. Yeah. But like when we we met this couple and we went like to dinner with them, we just had like one dinner with them. And we like knew when we left, we're like, okay, I think like we really both liked them. You know, it was like one of those. And we were just awkward the next time we got together. And it was like, like so we're just going to like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We just were like, so we're just going to, we really like you guys. (laughs) And we we could see us like going on vacations together. We would like to like, when our kids are older, when they're gone, that we're still like, I mean, we just went all the way in. We're like made the big ask of like, we'd like to be old friends, you know, like, mm-hmm. and we had just been, had one dinner together. And luckily they felt the same way. And I was like, yes, let's do this. I'm not saying it always works that way, but we just went in. It was yeah. just like, mm-hmm. just made the awkward ask and it has served us very well. They are our best friends, you know, now. Yeah. And um, yeah. I think this is something you definitely hold before the Lord as well. Yeah. I, mean, I know you guys did, but that that's a key piece of this of you know have you held us before the lord and asked for his wisdom and knowledge and insight of who these people are cuz we can choose poorly too mm-hmm. and it can go really bad you know and i don't say that to cause fear but it's just a reality of like we need to go slow i mean mm-hmm. I, I know you guys went yeah. all in but it's like mm-hmm. it's key to like okay let's let's bathe this in prayer right. let's make sure that this is what God is wanting mm-hmm. here, you know, for me specifically. And know. most of the time, as we've already said, I feel like covenant community, it happens over time. And so like yeah. maybe somebody that you were put in a microchurch, you know, with over time develops into like, yeah. you know, you, you turn around and you're like, oh man, we've been walking together now for a few years. And yeah. it started out, we didn't even know each other, you know, and now we've gone through these milestones together. That is, I would imagine most typically how it, happens is just you know over time yeah and sticking it out so let's uh all of this all that we're talking about right now is takes vulnerability and so that's kind of the last uh uh, topic that we're gonna dive into um i know uh matt last sunday uh, was the message on vulnerability think maybe you still have a vulnerability hangover possibly <laughs> from this. I do. I do. Um, but you mentioned in your message uh, before you begin to share some of your story. Quote drop. Uh, well, <laughs> not really a quote drop, but kind of. Um, a phrase. Yes. Phrase drop. Uh, I'm going to be appropriately vulnerable with right. you today. Um, and so could you, and not just you, but you sure. can start us off, um, kind of break down a little bit more of what appropriate vulnerability looks like. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I kind of hold these two tensions together. I think both of them are true is that I can't share everything with everyone, but I have to share everything with someone. Yeah, that's good. And, and I just think we have to figure out how to, how to play that out in ways that I don't walk into a relationship and, uh, tell you everything about me because I don't know you. I don't know if I can trust you. I don't know what you're going to do with that information. Right. And so that's wisdom. And so yeah. sometimes we want to be so authentic and vulnerable. We're just like, let me tell you all of my trauma. That person can't handle it. Mm-hmm. Right. They're not going to be a good steward of it. 
but then, you know, once we, we, we talked about this, you don't microwave these relationships after, after time and after a level of trust is, then I, I, I feel like the Holy Spirit always leads us to say, hey, I, I, want, you to, I want you to open up more. I want mm-hmm. you to become more vulnerable, mm-hmm. right? Obviously, on a stage in a setting like this, when you're preaching, I'm going to give people the information that I feel like they can handle and that yeah. they need to know. I'm also going to try to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit in my own life, which was my message on Sunday it was not one I wanted to preach, but I felt like it was an act of obedience. Um, and even navigating your relationships like that, saying, okay, you know, what, in order for this to go farther and deeper, I have to give more, mm-hmm. yeah. right? If I, this is the thing, people, your, your weaknesses and your vulnerability is like Velcro and they can attach themselves to it. Like your strengths and weaknesses, sometimes people are like, man, I don't know what to do with that because you're just awesome. You know? mm-hmm. But your weaknesses, everybody can identify with that. And so I think sometimes we, you know, in relationships, we want to lead out of our strengths. But sometimes if you just lead out of your weakness, open that door, then people are like, okay, this is a safe place, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's looking for that safe place to be honest about their brokenness because everybody has brokenness. Mm-hmm. Everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I've always kind of looked at these as layers or rings you know we were talking about the convenient you know community which you know to me is more of like we have interest-based relationships and then you know covenant there's kind of kind of two tiers for me and you, and you even see jesus modeling this of first he was a carpenter and then you know he invited these disciples to come and follow him and so there was a level of intentionality of like hey we're going to circle up together and that's community you know that was covenant community um, but he even did something even more to that is he invited Peter, James, and John away to have these prayer sessions. And it's almost like this inner circle, you know, that you see happening. And so I've always looked at it kind of like that of like, okay, who's my inner circle? Who's my community? And, you know, who's my convenient community? And so like, that's where, you know, there's a, an appropriate level of vulnerability with my community, my covenant community, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell them everything, but I'm going to share way more with them than I would with my convenient community. Mm-hmm. And then my inner circle community, uh, or I'm sorry, my inner circle covenant relationships, um, like it's all in, yeah. you know, like I'm, I'm completely, I mean, I, mm-hmm. naked, so to speak, you know, I don't, I don't want to use that word, but it's like, I, there's nothing hidden. Right. You know, um, you know, I, I'm going to share with them everything because we've journeyed together for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And I know like that level of trust is there, that level of vulnerability is there. And so, um, you know, it's kind of like, what are those layers and like, looking at like that appropriate, you know, is this a group setting? You know, so it's like, okay, well, I, I'm not going to share everything here, mm-hmm. but with my inner circle, absolutely. Yeah. I have to, there's healing in that and freedom in that. So. Yeah, I think uh, in doing the work too and looking at your life and your relationships and making sure that um, or identifying those rings yep. in your life, identifying that like who are these who are these people in my life that I can share this with. And then ultimately, I think for a lot of people, like who are the people that know everything and making yeah. sure that you have identified those people and that like that you have a few people in your life um, that you're laid bare before yeah. um, that know all of the cobwebs and all of the things um, because that's uh, really important. And I also think too, in thinking about how to get to that place, if you're like, man, I don't, I, my 
community that I can be really vulnerable with is really small or non-existent of like, what are the steps to take to get to that place? And like, I, what I would say is like, um, let them prove themselves trustworthy with what you can give them at first. And then it kind of, you grow into it, you know, Mm -hmm. like you're not just bearing your soul day one. Um, but you can share and see how they handle your vulnerability, how they steward your story, if you will, and like carry that. And then you kind of grow into deeper levels of like um, vulnerability and community, you know, together with that person. I know we're kind of bouncing back and forth now between that community and vulnerability piece. But when we talk about like that inner circle of people that I can be completely vulnerable with, um, is there is there like a number on that? We would probably all agree that's not a big, a big group, right? Like that's a yeah. that's a small, small yeah, that's group. a small well, I mean, group. I, I think you look at what Jesus did as he pulled away with yeah. three people, and so I've always you know looked at it as a circle of myself is in the center of that, and though there's arrows you know going in and out of that circle, but there's you know from the top is God or Jesus like you know pouring into me. And then, you know, it's like these side-to-side relationships. It's like three max is all, mm-hmm. that's how I've looked at it. Okay, yeah. Um, and I don't know if, I mean, I'm saying like that's the model, but right. it's like that's right. kind of like how but that's your model. It. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. It's been helpful to me mm-hmm. to yep. like say, like, okay, what does this look like? So, because it's, that inner circle, it needs to be small. Like mm-hmm. you, you were talking about, Rachel. Yeah. Absolutely. That doesn't need to be 15 people. No. Shouldn't be. That's what community, <laughs> yeah. that's what covenant community looks like. Inner circle is like, hey, there's, you know, one other, at least one other person. Mm-hmm. But no more, I would say, no more than, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, so even looking at... Don't like, have 10. <laughs> looking at a church like ours, um, we're not massive, but we have a fairly large congregation, you know, a fairly large group of people that attend City Church. Um, you're not going to be able to be in the deepest of covenant relationships with everybody that we attend church with. So it's taking that convenient community, letting that then smush down and, and smush it, you know, until you've got like this spot of a handful that like it's taking the church and making it a micro church. Micro church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good place. Hoping somebody would <laughs> nice. pick up on that. And on June fourth, no, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> you guys will be finding about micro church in that yes, soon. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of alluded this to staff the other day, but um, seventeen years, full time ministry. Um, I've never had so many calls, text messages, direct messages, Facebook messages than I did this week mm. um, from people who. Um, inside and outside of our church who, because of the message that I preached, felt like I, I can be vulnerable, yeah. right? And so what it said to me is obviously everybody's walking through their own brokenness, whether you know it or not. And then how just desperate people are for safe places. And yeah. I had a church planner call me just crying uncontrollably, kind of at the very end saying, I was in my car, I watched the video of your message and I just have to tell you where I'm at right now because it's really, really bad. And, uh, you know, I think that sometimes crisis makes us get to the place of vulnerability, which, you know, sometimes that's maybe the only way we get there. But then some people who are listening to this, I'm just, I'm saying it it doesn't have to be just crisis. 
you know don't, the, don't wait don't wait because yeah. the beauty of life is places where you're fully known and fully loved and if you're like where do i start i'm not just being overly spiritual but you start in prayer like god yeah. show me where and then commitment and proximity going back to this you have to show up and you have to be committed mm-hmm. right because you have to develop relationships that have the chance to to bloom and blossom into something more than that so yeah. you know it sounds stupid but i tell my kids you're never going to meet the right people in the wrong places the right people hang out in the right places and you have to show up That's there right. consistently mm-hmm. and you yeah. do that and the door is opened yeah and um and I just want to encourage people listening because, you know, Brene Brown really made this famous with some of her books and TED Talk. But, you know, vulnerability is at the core of like our shame and like what if people know? And it's also at the core of our freedom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what makes it so dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I tell this, what could happen to it? But if I don't, what will happen to me? Yep. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's like eventually just saying, I have to be known in order to be free. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And so it's worth it. The mm-hmm. risk yeah. is worth it. And I'm going to do what I need to do to step into that. You know? I, and I, I would just add this to these covenant uh, relationships is the cadence has to be high. Um, I mean, I, I would, like, we got to have weekly conversations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, even with the covenant community, it's like, man, we, we better be circling up multiple times a month. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, because as we're more distant, that relationship is going to break down. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so that's a another level of the commitment of, hey, I, I have to do this. And I've got to do it frequently mm-hmm. in order to maintain that relationship. It's key. Yeah. You know, I think we knew this before, but I mean, Sunday, just a testimony, an example of vulnerability, begetting vulnerability of just mm-hmm. like someone leading the way and being willing to be appropriately vulnerable, you know, from a stage and uh, a platform with a title with, you know, all the things that is willing to be vulnerable um, is contagious. Like it just, some, most people need someone to lead the way. And so just being uh, um, willing to do that and willing to step out and to share um, the pieces of your story, knowing who you're with and being appropriate and all of that, but like being willing to be, you know, vulnerable in whatever setting that you're in is really powerful and really goes a long way in that. Um, so on the other side of that, how, how do you stay, one of the other questions we got was, how do you stay vigilant after being vulnerable when what you have shared has been used against you? Has that ever happened to you? And how do you handle that? That's a tough one. Yeah. I, I, think, I think we have to be realistic about the risks of relationships. Mm-hmm. You said this earlier, Bodhi has more information about you that could be used good and bad. And how many know even as your spouse who you love more than anything, you don't always get it right. Yeah. I, I do feel like people walk into right now relationships almost like this with perfectionism, like... I'm, I'm waiting for you to mess up so I can just confirm like, yeah. you know, the, the church is horrible and you're, you're, you can't, you know that at some point people are going to let you down. But I think wisdom tells us that I'm going to be appropriately vulnerable after trust is built, yeah. right? And so that's the key. It's like, have I ever had somebody take the deepest part of me and use it against me? No, because I've been really wise with who I tell that. Have I had people hurt me? Absolutely, because yeah. that's relationships, and if you're going to enter into that space and wade into that water, you're going to have to navigate that, right? Yeah. And it's about our expectations. 
And right now people, especially young people walking into the church with expectations of like the church is going to be perfection and relationship and no, never, no. you know, it's yeah. fairy tale. Yeah, definitely. Right? Which I think the enemy uses right now in incredible ways to be like, I told you, I told you that everybody was fake. I told you they were going to let you down. No, you're sinful and fallen. So am I. And if we mm-hmm. journey together long enough, I'm going to let you down. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. tell people at church all the time. You know, we, we tell people there's a honeymoon period where you're going to think we're perfect until you find out we're not. Right. And exactly. then you're going to figure out what to do with that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Just going to go to the next church. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we joke about it, but that's what the cycle most people. Uh, yeah. That and it's not just church, it's relationship. I just yes, bounce from relationship to relationship because yeah. I've never learned how to go past the surface. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's hard to know. The question is, you know. Uh, kind of broad. I don't know what depth that is, too. Yeah, right. um, but I think I, I totally agree. I think have did you wade into the waters of confronting that person? Of like, was it how deep was it? Um, was it intentional or unintentional? You know, right. like one of those. Uh, were you able to to do that? That would be the first thing that I would say, dependent on the level with which it was. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah being willing to um, step in and work through something of like, I didn't want that to be shared. I don't know if you knew that, but that, that hurt me when that was like little side joke comment about whatever, whatever, you know, Um, I think those types of situations, we don't like it. It's messy. It's uncomfortable. And most people avoid it and move on. And so you don't get the fruit on the other side of working through that. And for them to be like, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. The hope would be that that would work out. Yeah, and would... when you don't do that, that's when that um, root of bitterness, you mm-hmm. know, can yes. take sure. yes. hold in your heart, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which then that calloused, hardened heart, I won't share. Right. Um, going all the way back to the very beginning, like yeah. having those crucial, critical conversations about things yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I had a... I was at the school, our, our son's school the other day, and, and I shared something with a, a, another man here in the church. And when I was driving home, I realized that I had overshared. Mm. And I just called him and I said, hey, bud, um, I shared some things with you that I shouldn't have. And uh, I said, I, I need you to keep that between you and I. Mm. Like, don't even tell your wife. Yeah. And we just had that conversation, you know, and I think those are important that, you know, I, I've always referenced Matt on this because, like, he truly has taught me how to do this so well. But it's just I wouldn't have done that 10 years ago. I wouldn't have done that 14 years ago. Mm-hmm. But now I'm like, yeah, we have to do that. <laughs> you know, we have to have those conversations. We have to have those boundaries and guidelines that we just say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's okay. Yeah. So. I was coaching a church planning couple yesterday, and they brought up a conflict that's happened and immediately they were like, it's really not that big a deal. We don't really think it's something that, you know, they meant to do. They're a core part of our team. You know, I think it's just something we need to move on from. And I was just like, mm-hmm. no, no. I was like, if, if they're core, if they're inner circle, yeah. you figure out how to communicate through conflict. You cross that bridge. You just, you tell yourself like, we are going to be people who deal with little things so they don't grow into big things. Mm -hmm. We've tried to establish that culture with our staff and our Mm -hmm. church here. uh, It's like whatever's dealt with because man, it just leads to freedom where you're not carrying this, where that little bitty root, it's not growing. And you know, 
we know it grows fast. Yeah. 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 I just had a conversation with somebody not that long ago and it was one of those situations where they had something, but it was, wasn't big enough at the time. And like, well, we'll just let it go. Well, then we come into another situation that should have been very small and not that big of a deal, but because both parties were building on a foundation of something that happened a year ago that it was like, Oh, you see y'all came into that room with something completely different than I did. And so that made that such a, yeah, it made it loaded in a way that it didn't need to be. It's because that wasn't dealt with, you know, that long ago. Some people have church hurt, which obviously you're going to address here in a message yep. coming up really soon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, and I think even with the vulnerability piece and like relationships, if, if you're coming in expecting people to let you down, you're going to sabotage the relationship before they start, mm-hmm. you know, which happens so often. And just with this mentality of, man, I'm not going to do that. So. so let's talk about the response to vulnerability. You're not necessarily the one being vulnerable in this moment. Um, but let's talk a little bit about how to respond to vulnerability, how to engage with, uh, respond, follow up. What if you don't know what to say? Um, some of those type of things, how do you respond to people being vulnerable to you in your life? Yeah, we talked about this not that long ago. Um, but oftentimes people aren't looking for answers. They're looking for somebody to listen and that's one of the things that we've established in our marriage. Like, am I listening or are we fixing? You know, um, oftentimes we that, just need somebody to listen. That's because I got it wrong a lot of times. Yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, the more emotional one of the two of us. Rachel's much more of a robot. Um, I well, love you. Well, You're not. You're that's not. A extreme. <laughs> that was extreme. Yeah. <laughs> I tend to run high on emotion. I should say that. Yes, That's yes. better. You can be void. more even. Her soul is void. Soul is void. Have you guys? We need counseling. No, have you guys ever seen the uh, nail in your head video? We we could link this one. It's so good. Oh, like gosh. the the woman has Sorry, a nail man. literally sticking out of her head, and the husband's like, "You have a nail in your head." And he's like, "I just want to take it out." She's like, "I just want you to listen to me." Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. No, we have had a lot of that. Of like. I just, my brain goes into fix mode. Like when something's being shared, I am like formulating the three-step plan of how to get out of said thing that is happening. Um, And so that doesn't go over well when someone just wants to be vulnerable and -hmm. and share. So it's definitely has helped of like, am I fixing or am I just, you know, listening? Yeah. 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 Listening, empathizing. I used to put a ton of pressure on myself as a young pastor to try to come up with the right things to say when you're sitting in a hospital or someone confesses something or someone does something. And, and honestly, I put zero pressure on myself now. I really do mean that because um, they just need presence, right? Yeah, they just yeah. need your, your empathy. And um, I've, I've realized one of the most powerful things to say to people is look at them and be like, that sucks. Yep. Yeah. And I'm yeah. so sorry. Mm-hmm that that happened to you. And I'm so sorry that you're walking through that. Yeah. Period. You know, yeah. full stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Instead of doing what you do, which right. is what I want to do. Right. Which is, let me give you the seven please peace plan to rebuild. Yes. And, and get back on your feet. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think one of the helpful things too, is just asking questions to get them to think deeper about it. You know, like, I mean, are you, uh, bitter or resentful? You know, are, are you harboring unforgiveness, you know, as you enter into this or, 
you know, trying to work through this. I mean, what does that look like for you as an individual? Mm -hmm. You know, what are you holding um, that, you know, maybe the Lord needs to do some work on you before you actually enter into this mm -hmm. relationship? Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. what you said too earlier about the the power of I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And being willing to yeah. say that you don't know because life is messy and not always black and white and very nuanced and so to to go in like you know everything is just uh the ultimate level of pride, you yeah. know, and yeah. to like to sit there and think that I'm going to know every answer to what you're saying and um speak to your the emotion of it more than anything. I think uh, it's disarming, I think, when somebody, when you're just like, man, I don't know, but I'm willing to sit with you in it. Let's figure it out together or let, you know, like, I think there's so much power in that too. I mm -hmm. think people can avoid spaces to where, you know, people are going to be very vulnerable because I, I'm not going to know what to say. I have never lost someone that right. close to me before. I have right. never, you know, right. like it can, it can feel like a lot of weight on the other side of that because you feel like this pressure to do something. Yeah. When so often it's just nearness. Yeah, that's and good. Oh, you're you're sitting with someone in tragedy, and they're this has caused me to question my relationship with God. Yeah. In that moment, they're not asking you to give them the theological basis yeah, for right. why God exists. Why yes, God actually 100%. exists? They yeah. just need yeah. your presence, yeah. and they need your empathy, right? Mm -hmm. And so yeah. it's honestly just recognizing what people are actually asking for. They're not asking you to be fixed. Yeah. They're not asking for answers in that moment. You know, maybe that comes down the road. They're asking for you mm -hmm. to sympathize and empathize with where I'm at in this reality, you know? Yeah, one of the worst things that we can do, and I've done this so many times, of just, hey, uh, let, let me tell you what you need to do. Yeah. It's yeah. like, don't say that. Yeah. <laughs> just delete that. I know. Yeah. Yes. It's like, yeah. that. that's not it. If I yeah. were you, I would. Yeah. 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 That's good. Good, guys. This was fun. Let's... Let's do it again sometime. <laughs> Go Let's, do it next week. <laughs> yeah. Next week? Buddy, um, what was your signature sin again? You were telling me earlier. What was it? <laughs> My what? Signature sin. So, signature. Oh, yeah. <laughs> next week on Going Deeper. Yeah. <laughs> Pastor Buddy reveals. Appropriate <laughs> signature <laughs> sin. Yeah. Make sure That's you tune in. Bait. All inappropriate. <laughs> yeah. um, let's, uh, let's pray over our um, people uh, real quick as we end and some of the things that we talked about and this kind of... Uh, Before we pray, can we... I think it would be fun to pra practice appropriate vulnerability by what's the uh, what's the thing that you want nobody to know, like your guilty pleasure food. Oh. That you're just like, man, I don't care if it's like two Big Macs uh, with a fry. Two Big Macs. I mean, like, oh whatever God. it is, that you're just like, this is... This uh, is that would put me in the hospital. Yeah. Like the Great Wall um, of Chocolate from PFC. When I'm somewhere. driving, I stop and get a, I uh, used to get a Diet Mountain Dew. Now I get sugar-free or zero, whatever. I don't even know what it's called, but it's like the zero sugar Mountain Dew. And I get the sharing size bag of peanut M&Ms every time I'm on a road trip. Hmm. Guilty pleasure. Both there of you them. go. Buddy. I am notorious for waking up. Or not going to bed till late and having a giant plate of nachos. We call this in my, our house the fourth meal. Yes. Buddy has a fourth wow. meal yeah. a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> At what time? Oh, it could be midnight. It could midnight. be 2 a.m. If I wake up at 2 a.m. and I'm like, I want some nachos, I will go get the kitchen started. And... I, <laughs> How do you sleep? Nachos activated. I don't sleep much. Rachel? <laughs> Man, I, I honestly don't know. 
Um, Thank you for being so open. Yes. I know. I know. <laughs> I mean, I drink a huge iced coffee every day. Yeah. And it's not like a healthy wah, one. It's wah, a very... Un- <laughs> we had a, we had a literal what- debate um, <laughs> just two days ago. She likes this certain kind of um, creamer. hatch green chili oh. salsa. Um, and she also likes the creamer that she uses. And she's like, if I had to let one of these go, which one do you think it would be? I mean, so they're, yeah. they're both very prominent in her life. Strongholds, but yeah, they're not like, I wouldn't call them like guilty pleasures per se. <laughs> the Lord's got his, or the devil's got his foot in the door, but it's not quite yeah. a stronghold. Yeah. yeah. Come on now. What, what's yours, Matthew? I shared this the other day on stage, so it's a little bit anticlimactic, but when I go to Wingstop, I'll do oh. like 15, 16 wings with like the large seasoned fries and large Coke. And that's kind of my thing. Like I, I can, I feel like I could eat endless amount of chicken wings. So. <laughs> Nice. All right, feel free to pray. Okay, now let's pray. (laughs) Um, I'll dive in. I'll pray over us today. Lord, we love you. God, we just thank you for this series that we're in right now. This call that you have placed before us, this picture that you have placed before us of what it looks like for Uh, church to become family, for us to engage with one another in, in a way that leads us into becoming people of love and a community of love, people that hold one another, that carry one another through the highs and the lows of life. And I pray, Lord, that as you have already begun to do in this series, and I know will continue to do in the rest of this series, God, would you bring us ever so closer to this vision that you have placed before us of your bride, your church, giving a picture to the world of really what you look like. And that is our hope and that is our desire. And I pray that wherever everyone is that is listening or watching this, God, that you would meet them in our humble words, that you would take it farther than we ever could. And we give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.